This morning, I have something from my heart to share with you, and I think that whenever we share with each other or with anyone around the world, it should come from where? From our hearts. The Bible tells us time and time again that God has called us to be his witnesses, and that's what this conference is all about, that we might be a witness for Jesus Christ. And there's one thing that we need to have in order to be a faithful witness to Jesus Christ. Can anyone tell me what that is? We need a personal relationship with him. Without question, without regard, that is what we need the most. So when you think about sharing your testimony and you feel a little insecure, you're kind of doubting whether or not you have something to share, the thing that you need to ask yourself is this. Do I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if you do, and we're going to see this this morning, you have something to share with somebody else. And you can be excited about it because it's your experience that you can share that you've had with Jesus Christ, and you can say without question that you know he's real. Can you say that this morning? Can you say without question that God is real? I remember, and I'll share my testimony with you. I think it's Sabbath morning, and I'm looking forward to hearing Wes's also. I read that little blurb on the, uh, on the handbill, and I thought, man, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, but I'll be sharing mine with you on, uh, on Sabbath morning. But one thing I learned through my experiences that God is real, and that was one of the things that actually changed my mind and my thinking about God. Uh, when I was first learning about Jesus and I first started reading the Bible, I was at that Y in the road, and I was just questioning whether or not God was there. I was reading the Bible. My family was uh, Seventh-day Adventist for the most part. And as I was reading the Bible and I was looking at the church, I saw that there was this huge discrepancy. I was reading in the Bible about how God had given his church power and authority, and they were supposed to go preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. And they were just moving and shaking, you know, and, and, and I didn't see that in the Seventh-day Adventist church. And so I called my grandmother, and I said, hey, I'm looking forward to coming home. I said, I can't wait to be a part of what I'm reading here in the Bible. She says, I just want to let you know that it's not like that out here. I said, what do you mean? This is what the Bible says. The Bible describes for me the experience that we're supposed to be having, and you're telling me it's not there. She says, it's not here. She says, I'm just telling you because I don't want you to be disappointed. As I continued to study more, I had asked for someone to come visit me. I was in prison. I'll just leave that with you. I can't not tell you that this morning. I was in prison, and I was asking for a pastor to come and visit me. And it took a year for a pastor to come and visit me. And at the end of that year, one did come and visit me, but it didn't seem as though he had a relationship with Christ because when he came to see me, he could convey nothing to me about who Jesus was. All he did was ask me questions about my case. And I don't know if you know anything about people in prison. I've seen a couple driving out here. But you just don't ask those kinds of questions of prisoners that you don't know in that environment. It's not safe for you. So... Needless to say, it wasn't a good experience. Then another pastor came to visit me, and I was pessimistic. I had my ideas about the church. I was comparing him to the Jews of Jesus' day when he came. And when the uh, pastor came to visit, I told him, listen. I said, I'm looking at the church, and I said, I'm looking at the Jews. And I said, the Seventh-day Adventist church are the Pharisees of the present day. And I just started hammering him with all my thoughts and negative comments. And you know, he looked at me that day, and all he said was, brother, you're right. He says, but I want to tell you one thing. And he said it with this huge smile on his face and this gleam in his eye. He says, I want to tell you one thing. God is real. And those three words changed my entire thinking about who God was. 
That day I had an encounter with God. And it wasn't some huge epiphany from heaven. It was in the person of a man that is now one of my best friends and one of the, a pastor in the Washington Conference at one of the churches there. God is real. That was his witness. That was his testimony. And that day I was engaged by God that day and it began to wipe away the questions that I had in my mind. We're going to find that when we share our personal testimonies, that's really what we might call the natural bridge. It's the link between us and our link between Jesus and, and, and other people sometimes. There are people in the world that don't know Jesus. And they need to know Jesus. And you are the link or the natural bridge that can bring them into connection with Jesus Christ. Did you know that? I remember the first time I had to give my testimony. I was shaking in my boots. I had gotten a phone call from Chattanooga, Tennessee. It was a friend of mine who lived in the Collegedale area. And she says, listen, we have a spot for you in our church. We want to hear your testimony. The pastor said it's okay. And I thought, great, I'm going to come and share my testimony. I was okay with it to begin with because I had a personal experience. Gone through this whole transition and, and here I was. I have a life with Jesus. I don't know where I'm headed. All I know is that I'm headed there with him. And so I get to that church, and I didn't realize how big it was. It seems like every church in that little valley is huge. And I walk in, and I, I had the Sabbath school time, and so I walked into the Sabbath school time, and, and there I stood on the platform looking at about 500 people. And I was excited, but I wasn't, you understand? So I started sharing and sharing and sharing, and the Lord was just giving me words to say, and I, I forgot about all the people. I just wanted them to know about the Jesus that I knew. And as I stood there, I saw the pastor kind of leaning over, and I, I looked at him, and I said, how much time do I have? You said, don't I have any more time? Pastor stepped up, and he says, if you want to hear more about Justin's testimony, come tonight at Vespers, and, and he'll share the rest of the story with you. That evening, we got together, and I began sharing the rest of my testimony. And during probably, actually within probably the latter third of the testimony, when we were wrapping up, one of the fellows of the church stands up, and he says, I just have to say something. I thought, oh no, what have I said wrong? Have you ever felt that way? What have I said wrong? What have I done? I wanted to run and hide. The first time I'd ever really preached in a church, and here's some guys calling me on the carpet. He says, I have something to say. I just want to say that ever since this man has been here, and I thought, here it comes. He has not stopped talking about Jesus. He says a lot of guys in his situation that come from his experience talk about the things that they've done, the things uh, that they've experienced in a negative way, and he says, all, all you hear about is them and them and them and their experience. He says, but you very seldom hear about Jesus Christ. He says, ever since we've been here, that's all we've heard about, and I just want to say praise the Lord. That's what our testimony is all about. It's not to share or glorify the things that we've experienced in the past, and I've heard that time and time again. That does nothing more than destroy the confidence of people in Jesus Christ and really exalt the sinfulness that, uh, that uh, Satan wants them to be involved with. Our calling as Christians is to go and share our faith with other people. You've read it time and again, but open up with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to be looking at verses 19 and 20. Actually, let's begin in verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. 
Go ye therefore, he says, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things. How many things? Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, he says, even unto the end of the world. Jesus says, I am risen from the grave. All power and all authority has been given to me. And now I'm commissioning you and I'm giving you that power and that authority. And what I want you to do is go tell others about the experience that you've had with me. And he says here that you're going to continue to have with me until I come. That's what he's saying here when he says, lo, I'll be with you always. He says, it's not just a one-time situation where you meet me and that's it. And a lot of times in our Christian experience, we run into people out there in the Christian world who have an experience maybe, and they live and base their entire life with Jesus on that one experience. And I'm going to tell you, you cannot do that. If you're in a relationship with someone, how often do you communicate with them? Wes? Every day. If I did not talk to my wife morning, noon, and night, I'd be in trouble. And that's the way it should be. We won't be in trouble with Jesus, by the way, if we don't talk to him. He wants to talk to us, but we're not going to be in trouble necessarily. But nonetheless, we need to be talking with Jesus all the time, every day, developing that relationship. And as you develop that relationship, you learn about him, and you get to know him more and more and more. And as you have that experience, that's what people need to hear about. That's what's going to, to change their life, because that's what the gospel is all about. You know, we're told in the Bible that uh, this gospel will be preached until the ends of the earth, and then Jesus will come. Have you read that before? When you look at that, it's more than just preaching with your words. You understand? It's about the power of God changing your life, and by words and by deeds, living that experience before people in this world, and they see that it's changed your life. They see Christ in you, the Bible says, the hope of glory, and they see it, and that's what they want. When Jesus says, when I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. It wasn't just the cross he was talking about, although that's the primary uh, function of that verse. He was also talking about after that time, as people would lift him up in their lives and they would see that experience in the lives of, of the people who were experiencing that relationship, he would be lifted up in the lives of his people and people would be drawn to him through the personal witness and experience of those who are having a relationship with Christ. Do you have a relationship with him this morning? Because if you do, you're to be his witness. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus had just told the disciples that he had all authority. And he was passing on that authority and that power to them. And we find here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that he says, you shall receive what? Power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. And how far? unto the ends of the earth. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit will be with us until the end of the world, amen? And that Holy Spirit power gives us what we need to share our faith day by day. Now, how many of you are not excited, and be honest with me, how many of you are not excited about sharing your faith with someone else that you don't know? Be honest. Okay, thank you. I tell you what, almost every day I'm excited about it, but I'm not. Does that make sense? I get excited. I'm like, Lord, use me in your service today. I want to go share my faith with someone else. Ooh, wait a minute. It's a big world out there. But nonetheless, after you've had the experience, there's nothing else that you want more than to have another experience just like it. Amen? The only way that we can continue on from what the Bible might call 
faith to faith is to have the Spirit of God dwelling in our hearts by faith. When we have that, it will not be a burden to share Jesus, but it will be a joy and excitement to share our faith with whoever we come in contact with. And you'll find that God works in amazing ways, right? It seems like in the, at the most inopportune moments, or maybe when you're not even paying attention, God begins to speak through you to other people, and by the time that it's over with, you're looking back at the experience and you're saying, man, I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe I just shared that with that other person. That was exciting. God wants to do that with us every day. He wants us to be excited about sharing our faith. He wants us to know in our hearts that He's real. And when we do that, when we have that experience, He'll be real to other people. So let me ask you a question then. What are we to witness about? Let's just uh, recap for a moment. Our personal experience, right? It's our personal experience that we're supposed to share. If you look with me in 1 John, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3, verses 1 through 3 actually. 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. What is John saying? I know him. I've had a personal experience with him. He goes on to say, For the life was manifested or revealed, and we have seen it. He says it again. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested or revealed to us. He says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. You know, John keeps repeating himself. And I find that when people repeat themselves, it means they're kind of excited about what they're thinking or what they're reading or what they're experiencing. He keeps repeating himself as if he's not made it clear, but he's very, very clear. Hey, guess what? We've seen him. We've heard him. We've touched him. We know that he's real. We know where he came from. And we cannot wait for you to have the same experience that we're having. He says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John was saying, listen, we want you to come and share what we have. We want you to fellowship with us. We want, you be, we want you to be a part of the family of God. We also want you to know the God and Savior that we know. Peter was saying it in a different way in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, if you'll turn with me there. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. It says, for we have not followed what? Cunningly devised fables. Peter's saying, listen, I know what I'm saying. I've had an experience. It's not just some lie or some fable or some story that somebody's passing on from generation to generation. This man was here. He goes on to say, when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were what? Eyewitnesses of his majesty. We have seen him, Peter says, and without question, we know that he is who he says he is. He is the Son of God. I think of Paul who said that he saw Jesus face to face and it literally knocked him off his high horse that day on the road to Damascus. He had a personal experience with Jesus. All these people you'll find throughout the Bible had some type of encounter with Jesus and because of that they could share with confidence that Jesus was someone else. You know, day by day as I spend time with Jesus in the Bible, as I spend time with Jesus sharing my faith with others, as I just spend time with him, even though I don't understand everything about him, he continues to share things with me, and I always, by God's grace, have something to share with someone else. 
And that's what the Christian experience is all about. And I think uh, maybe Matt's going to talk about it a little bit. Maybe Wes will. I know that I'm going to talk about it a little bit. But we're going to talk about what it means to be in a consistent, continuous relationship with Jesus Christ. How to maintain that relationship. How to deepen that relationship and how to strengthen that relationship. Because this is what eternal life is all about. Jesus said it in John chapter 17, verse 3. It's one of my favorite verses. And this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Jesus says simply that eternal life is having an ongoing personal relationship with me. And that is exciting. And that relationship is going to last how long, everybody? Forever. So that means we get to start today if we haven't started already. And it begins to deepen and progress throughout eternity. Imagine what that's going to be like. And I have a feeling that we're going to be sharing our faith all throughout eternity, so we better start here. Amen? How many of you have read the story of the woman at the well? Excellent story. Basically, she, or Jesus goes and he's looking for a, a good drink of water. He comes to the well. Woman, the Samaritan woman is there, and we find that he actually goes there specifically for her. They begin talking, they engage in conversation. Jesus leads her into a, a conversation where he reveals to her the condition of her own heart. And one thing I enjoy about Jesus is he never condemns the people he's trying to save. Amen? He meets the woman at the well, and he begins to speak with her. And let's take a look in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me something to drink. And in verse 9 it says, The woman of Samaria said unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask something or ask to drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews don't have dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that says to you, Give me to drink, you wouldest have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman goes on to say unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Hmm, how are you going to give me that water that you're talking about? Verse 12, it says, Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus said back, Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I give him shall be in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus is drawing her in to a deeper relationship. She already knew of him, but the personal experience was lacking, and you can tell because of the sinful condition of her past life. You know, without Jesus, our life will continually be recidivist, sin after sin after sin. We'll never escape its grip because without him we can do how much? And I thank Wes last night for sharing with us that Jesus has the power to enable us to overcome the terrible uh, situations that temptation leads us into and that we can live a victorious life in Christ. And that's what our witness is all about, that victorious life in Christ. In verse 15 it says, The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I th so that I don't thirst anymore and that I don't come here to draw anymore. And Jesus says, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said that you have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and he who now is your husband is not really your husband. And this you said truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that there's something different about you. I perceive that you're a what? Prophet. She was right, wasn't she? 
And basically, they go through the conversation, and Jesus comes to a point where he says, listen, you're waiting on the Messiah, you've just told me that, and I am him. Well, she didn't wait any longer, did she? She left her water pot, never gave Jesus anything to drink. He sits there, knowing that she's going to come back, but she takes off, and she goes to her city there in Samaria, and she says, come see a man. Come see a man who told me all that I've ever done. And basically says, could, she says, could this be the one? The Bible goes on to tell us in the book of John that all the city came out to see Jesus that day. And they began listening. And as they listened, they said, now we believe, not because of what you said. For we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. That woman did not wait after she had a personal experience, to learn all that she needed to learn about the Bible. She didn't say, as soon as I, I learn the 28 fundamental beliefs of the church, then I'm going to be ready to go and share. She didn't say, uh, after I've gone to church for a year, uh, I'm going to go and share. After I went to Amazing Facts or Mission College, then I'll go share because then I'm going to be ready to do it. She heard the message. It convicted her heart. She knew that this was the one. And she immediately runs to the city and tells everyone that she can. And it says that the entire city really came out to listen to what Jesus had to say. But here's the important thing. You have no power or authority to change the heart of a person. Amen? We find here that they said, now we believe, not because of what you said. Our interest was piqued in what you were saying. And we wanted to know a little bit more about the man. And now when we come out, we've heard his words ourselves, and now we know that he is the Christ, the Savior of the world. And that day, an almost entire city was saved and brought into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. Because of one person's personal witness about their experience with Jesus Christ at the moment that it happened. We're told that a testimony from the heart coming from lips in which is no guile, full of faith and humble trust, though given by a what kind of tongue? A stammering tongue is accounted of God as precious as gold. It doesn't matter if you can preach like Apollos. It doesn't matter if you have or don't have the knowledge of Paul. All that matters is that you have an experience with Christ and he can even use the stammering tongue, the person who's afraid to speak, to share him with other people. You know, honestly, I, I didn't have an excitement when it came to the idea of preaching. My mother always told me, uh, I've always prayed that you'd be a preacher, and I always knew that one day you would, and I'm so happy, she says, when she found out this whole transition was taking place. She says, I'm so happy that my dreams are coming true. And I thought, I'm not real happy. I'm not really excited about being a public speaker, honestly. And so I wasn't excited about it to begin with. A stammering tongue was, tongue was definitely there. But as time goes on and God calls you from experience to experience, even though you have a stammering tongue, it doesn't matter anymore because what you're doing is sharing something that's so close and dear to your heart that you're impassioned and enlivened about it. And people just get it. Do you have a passion for Christ in your relationship with Him this morning? Because if it's just a formal, dead situation, then you don't have anything to share with Him. But if it's alive and active and you're walking with Him and you're talking with Him and you're experiencing daily life with Him, you have something to share. As witnesses for Christ, we're to tell what we know, what we ourselves have seen and heard and felt. 
If we have been following Jesus step by step, we shall have something right to the point to tell concerning the way in which he has led us. Basically, what we're finding out is to be witnesses, we just tell and share what we know. It takes the burden off of us, doesn't it? You know, you're going to find that even in Bible studies, it's okay if you don't know something. True or not? It's all right. You can just tell someone, hey, I don't know. And it really opens up the door for you to, to have another Bible study with them. Hey, I don't know, but I'd love to look into it for you. And I'll tell you what, can we get together next week? Because I'm pretty excited about the question that you ask, and I know the Bible has the answer. All we need to do is share what we know, and what we don't know we can go find out because God promises to tell us, and then we can go share more the next week. How does that sound? It goes on to say, We can tell how we have tested His promise and found the promise true. We can bear witness to what we know of the grace of Christ. Listen to this last part. It says, this is the witness for which our Lord calls. He calls us to share our personal experience with him with, to other, or, uh, with him with other people. And he says, this is the want of which the world is perishing. The world is dying because there are not enough people out there who are having an experience with Jesus and sharing it with them. We know that one day Jesus is coming. Amen? Amen. Let me, we know that one day Jesus is coming. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Seventh-day Adventist Christians. We know that he's coming. And we know that we have been given a work to do, and that's to share our faith with the world. We're told that the world is perishing. It's dying. People are going to their graves day by day because they're not hearing enough and seeing enough about the grace and the power of God in the lives of his church. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? Jesus calls us to be his witnesses, to go to a dying world and share with them our experience. Two types of testimonies, if you will, in the Bible that are shared. Wes shared with, one with us last night, and the one that he shared last night was about the demoniac. It's uh, the powerful deliverance from sin. How many of you have experienced that type of, of, of relationship with Christ? You've been down in the dumps, torn up, ripped up, and left for dead by the enemy, but somehow, by God's grace, Jesus comes across the sea, and he finds you, and he raises you up and gives you new life, and here you are today. How many of you have had that experience? Praise the Lord. Will you share those with me over the next few days? Oh, it's like I had one, but I don't want to share it with you. Please share with me. There's another testimony we'll talk about in just a moment, but it's called uh, Continual Christian Growth. It's those people who have had an experience since they were young, and it continues on and on and on, and they just continue to grow in the grace of God and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's awesome. Uh, I want to ask you a question, though, to begin with. Which one do you think is more important or more powerful? Is it the powerful deliverance from sin, or is it the continual Christian uh, growth and the continual Christian relationship. Which one is more powerful? That's right. It doesn't matter. Both of those are important to whoever and with whoever you share them with. For me, personally, the continual Christian growth was important to me because I had given my life to Christ, but I found myself in this awful situation. And even though I had given my life to Him, I still wasn't pulled out of that situation. I was having to deal with the repercussions of my own experience. At that time, I needed to know about how God has the power to maintain someone after they've made that decision throughout the rest of their Christian experience. That's what I needed to know after I had this experience. But let's take a look at this for a moment. Uh, three basic points here when we think about the demoniac. Number one, where you were before Christ. Let's ask a quick question here. Where was the demoniac before, before he met Christ? Some change? Living in tombs with dead people? Cutting himself? Running around naked, screaming and hollering? Out... Uh, in the darkness, causing problems to people, literally just almost destroying his own life. 
And I just want to let you know on a side note, every decision that we make, and I'm going to share this with you every time I have an opportunity, every decision that we make has an influence for or against eternal life. I don't believe that, the, that this demoniac got there uh, by just one decision. I don't think that he was born this way, do you? No. Through a lifetime of bad decisions and the transitions from those decisions led him into the condition that he was in, and he was absolutely without Christ, crazy living with dead people. But we find that he then met Christ. How did he meet him? Yeah, Jesus came after him. And that's the entire picture of the Bible. If you look at it on a, on a large scale, you'll find that the Bible continues to tell us about how God is pursuing his people. That he loves them, he's coming after them, and there's nothing that's going to stop him from saving at least one, but he wants to save the entire world. And we see him coming after the, after the demoniac, and the demoniac, with what power he had, runs and falls at the feet of Jesus, and he meets him there, and it changes his life, and we find out then that after he meets Jesus, he's clothed and in his right mind. With that little experience, it changes him, and he's ready to go and share his faith with the rest of the world. Amen? Powerful testimony of deliverance from sin. Now, there's the one of continual Christian growth. It says, Our confession of his faithfulness is heaven's chosen agency for revealing Christ to the world. What's it telling us? It's telling us that our personal experience and testimony is the way that Jesus wants to share himself with the rest of the world. We can read scripture after scripture after scripture to people, and it may not have much impact. But when we begin to share our testimony combined with that, and combined with a Christ-like life, then it has a power for the salvation of souls. We're going to read that here right now. It says, We are to acknowledge His grace is made known through the holy men of old. But that which will be most effectual is the what? The testimony of our own experience. We are witnesses for God as we reveal in ourselves the working power that is divine. It goes on to say, every individual has a life distinct from all others and an experience differing essentially from theirs. As you hear testimonies from people, as they share with you, I do not want you to think that your testimony is not powerful and important. It is. You may hear uh, Wes's testimony. You may hear my testimony, Matt's, or whoever's testimony this weekend, and you may think, wow, they have a powerful testimony. My testimony isn't as powerful as theirs. That's a lie of the devil. Your testimony is powerful. Because it's your individual experience with Jesus Christ that you're sharing. And nobody has that experience except you. It goes on to say, God desires that our praise shall ascend to him marked by our own individuality. These precious acknowledgments to the praise of the glory of his grace. In other words, these testimonies about our own personal experience combined with a what? Oh, I'm sorry. When supported by a what? Christ-like life have an irresistible power that works for the salvation of souls. In other words, testimony, personal experience, together, revealed in our lives, can save souls for the kingdom of God. You see how important your experience is? You see how important your own testimony is? You don't know who it is in your life from day to day that needs to hear what you have to share, so you should always be ready, amen? And you don't know how the words that you share about Jesus are going to impact the lives of those you come in contact with. You should be prepared. Because it could be one word, one sentence, one glance, one act, one deed 
that could bring someone across the line into the kingdom. How careful we need to be then when it comes to living a life exemplary of a Christian and being in constant connection with Jesus Christ. So what shall we witness about? Here's some simple thoughts for you this morning. How about this one? Jesus died for my sins that they may be forgiven. Can we testify of that? Amen. How about we are born again with a new nature? I can say amen. You know, how many of you can look to the past and think, man, I'm so glad I'm not what I used to be? Amen? I can say that. I've seen too many people who say that they're Christians and really aren't experiencing the power and the grace of God, and they maintain that low level of Christianity, if Christianity at all. I remember meeting a man in prison, and I thought, I was just starting my own, my own Christian experience, just started reading the Bible, and I was just into it. I just loved reading it. I couldn't stop. I had plenty of time to do it. And as I read, I was looking for more people who were having the experience that I was having, and I found them, praise God. But there was one guy who just seemed to have all the knowledge of the Bible. I would go and ask him questions about the Bible, and he would say, this text, this text, this text. But what I found is that after a while, I was sharing texts with him. And as I grew in my experience, I realized that this man really couldn't tell me about Jesus he could just tell me things that he heard. He didn't know him. He just heard of him. And that man's life, as I began to look more closely at it, told me really nothing about Jesus. When we're born again with a new nature, we're changed. We have a new life. We become new people. We have new principles, new motives, new thoughts, ideas. And we become more like Jesus. Jesus set me free from my sins. Can we say that? Can we say that Jesus has given me everlasting life? Amen. Some testimony pointers. Don't be wordy. You don't have to convince people. That's the work of who? The Holy Spirit. It's God who convicts the sin of righteousness and judgment to come. It's Him who reveals Himself to the human heart. We just need to share with people what we know and what we've seen and heard and felt. Uh, we should never speak critically of anyone or any church. If it's necessary to refer to past experiences, do so lovingly and carefully. Okay? God doesn't even condemn them. Why should you? And it's our hope that we, as we speak to people, we can lead people through our testimony into a relationship with Christ. So when we speak critically of people, we're outside of the personality of Christ himself. It's not his mind, and it shouldn't be ours. We should avoid expressions that may not be meaningful. Uh, like, for instance, when I came into the truth, or when I heard the message, we should better say things like, hey, you know what? When I met Jesus Christ, when I met him, when he came and visited me, it changed my life comments or thoughts or words like that or statements like that are more meaningful. Don't glamorize sin. If you've had a powerful deliverance from a sinful life, don't go around touting your past life and, and how awesome it was. Oh man, I remember when I was up partying with the fellas and we were doing this and we were doing that, but when I met Jesus, everything changed. That's awful. That's giving testimony to sin and Satan rather than giving glory to God. If you've had that experience, don't glamorize sin. And also beware of listing sacrifices. I hear this all the time when it comes uh, to people sharing their testimony of what God has done for them. Oh, you know, I used to do this and that and the other, but when I met Jesus, I had to give it all up. You didn't give up anything. 
You gained everything when you came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So you didn't sacrifice anything. You didn't stop eating this food or you didn't stop doing that bad habit or you didn't have to give up the movies or whatever it is. You didn't give that up. Jesus took it from you. He delivered you from it and now he's given you so much more. Be specific in your testimony. Share specific points so that people can see and hear how God has worked in your life. Try to identify with your prospect, the person that you're spending time with, that you're talking to, because in identifying with them, they can see how God has led them through a similar experience uh, that they're having, and they know that if God did it for them, or did it for you, He can do it for them. Always be kind when you're sharing your testimony. Don't beat people over the head and condemn them uh, about where they're at. You're going to find that uh, as you go out and share your faith with other people, as you strengthen your witness by the grace of God, you're going to run into some crazy situations out there. The world is in havoc. It's in chaos. Satan is doing his work, and God is doing his. Amen? Amen. But you're going to run into people out there who may be in in an adulterous relationship. They may be in a relationship in the wrong way, if you understand what I'm saying. They may have things going on in their lives that you would never even consider having in your life. Don't be surprised. Don't be condemned. It just should confirm to you that there's a God in heaven and there's a devil here on earth and that there's a battle going on and God has given us the opportunity to share with them. So always be kind, never condemn, never act surprised or shocked. And also pray that when you share, pray in your heart. Paul says pray without ceasing. Pray that God will be what they see, that they'll see Jesus in you. And also, always be positive, even if you get a negative reaction. A lot of times when you're sharing your faith with other people, they're going to respond negatively because they see Jesus in you, they see the condition of their own heart, and it's sometimes discouraging. Discouraging to think that they're so far away from where they need to be. So don't worry about a negative reaction. If the guard goes up, it just means that Jesus is speaking to the heart. Amen? And just be positive and go back to something agreeable to your listener and end politely with that. When I'm sharing my testimony, I try to share in general ways and I try to, through my testimony, lead people into a relationship with Jesus themselves. But if I find that they're not willing to go that far, I'll revert and say, hey, you know what, I'm just so happy that I got to share with you what Jesus means to me. I'm so happy that I was just able to tell you uh, the power of God and I hope that maybe one day soon you'll think more about it. I hope that one day soon, maybe you'll consider accepting Jesus into your own life and you'll have the experience that I'm having because it's awesome. I'll try to end with something agreeable and good so that they see uh, the goodness and the kindness of God. Some things you might say to people. uh, You could say, I needed help and I found it in who? Can you say that this morning? Hopefully we can say that every day. He forgave my sins and took all my guilt away. I found the Bible to be the voice of God to my soul. Amen. It gave me hope for the future and something to look forward to. And in Christ, the hunger of my soul has been satisfied. I no longer feel lonely or empty. I say that every single morning. Amen? I love Jesus. I'll just be honest with you. I love him. And it's my joy to spend time with him. Because in this world, there's really nothing to live for. I'll be honest with you. Without Christ, there's no hope in the world. And that's why it calls his second coming the blessed hope. And if we don't have that hope in our hearts, we have no hope to share with other people. And the people who don't have any hope will never have any hope. And then we're all hopeless. So let's share their hope, our hope with them. A few more things you might say. I still have problems, but I now have someone who can help me with my problems and give me the strength and courage that I need. Now every day is a new adventure with Christ. He puts a song in my heart and a smile on my face. 
The best decision I've ever made in my life was the decision to accept Christ and to follow him. It's our duty. It's our opportunity and it's our privilege to be witnesses for Christ. All power has been given to you and to me. Do you believe it? I wouldn't have believed it initially. But that day that I went to share my faith in Chattanooga, I realized from that point on, no question in my mind, that God gives power to the weak. He gives power to the needy. Gives us strength and words in our hearts to share what we need to share in the moment so that other people can know about the Jesus we know. Do you want to be a witness for Christ? Then you need a personal relationship with Him. And this morning, I just want to challenge you. If you don't have a personal relationship with Him, or if that relationship is waning, you're struggling with it, there's a lot of things that are getting in the way, world is just spinning your life around faster and faster, you can put the brakes on. It's in your power and authority to do that. Maybe there are influences in your life as young people, friends that you shouldn't be associating with, things that you shouldn't be involved with, habits and, and uh, activities that consume your attention and take you away from Christ. Put it on the altar this morning. Tell Jesus you'd rather have him than those things that will ultimately destroy your life. Even if you think it's good, if it's not coming from the Lord, it'll destroy your life. Let's bow our heads and ask Jesus to take control and empower us to be his witnesses. Father in heaven, we pray that you take control of us, fill us with your spirit, give us your joy, and send us to the ends of the earth to be your witnesses. And Lord, if there's anything standing between us and you, we pray for the grace of God to see it, to confess it, to overcome it, and to move on from victory to victory and prepare others for your coming. And we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.